This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livis. This week on the woman behind the business, who's the boss? A man's perspective on dating business women. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livis, and today we are turning a new tide. This is our very first show that features accomplished businessmen as our guests. About a year ago, I started seeing a trend. Most of the women I know who have built successful businesses had a hard time finding and sustaining quality personal relationships. Now, I'm not talking about with their girls. I'm talking companionship, love, and for those who want it, marriage. I've heard all about the horror stories from women. However, we've never publicly had a conversation around how men feel about dating her. The woman who's the head chief in the office, but is sometimes expected to put on a different role when she's a girlfriend or merely dating. So instead of sitting on the sidelines wondering what's happening from the male's point of view, I've invited some successful men to the table to address the elephant in the room. So let's meet our guests. Roman Sudan Montego II is a creative genius at his core, a storyteller who thrives in environments that allow his imagination to run wild and his choice in creative expression to craft a compelling story. For over 20 years, he's established himself as a well-respected subject matter expert in human-centric design and engineering products and solutions for global brands, as well as international federal governments. And he's the author and creator of the STEM and STEAM edutainment series, Ocean Bowl. Welcome to the show, Roman. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, I know I gave this whole intro um, on gaining an understanding of how you see the dating world, but I want to give our audience a better understanding of you and your work. Cool. So, please help us understand this human-centric design and engineering, because I have no idea what this is, but I need you to break it down from the same perspective that you would for somebody reading Ocean Bowl. Yeah, because because Ocean Bowl is completely different. But I use the the methodologies and the processes that I learned from being out in the world and you know bringing products and solutions to the market. Uh, so when you're doing human centric or you're thinking about the human, the person in general, you think about the the customer service experience, the user experience that you may be going through from the very uh, aspect of you're sitting right now in front of that mic using that computer. So Steve Jobs and his teams are very good at this. They're the ones who kind of cornered the market there in Stanford University in California when they talked about human-centric design, uh, which is a more formal or more um, breaded term these days. It's called design thinking. Mm. So it's really understanding the behavior of, of, of the user and the people who are going to be experiencing that. You're trying to understand the experience and the journey before you start building, because a lot of times when you're a software developer, for instance, you're you're thinking, hey, I'm just going to build this this app. But you never really take back any feedback or any real consideration of the person you're building it for. Mm. So that's what it really means to be someone that's focused on the, the UX or, and the CX or, or the human-centric design. Okay, and how did you get in that? Hmm. And especially, like, you've been doing this for, like, 20 years. So oh, yeah. how... 20 years ago, I'm thinking, like, was you studying in school? What was the appeal to that area? Man, what what did I study in school? Nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, school was interesting. School was fun. School. I think school gives you a good base. Uh, and to me, I, that's a whole new uh, radio show all by itself. Uh, but school was about networking. Uh, I think I love more important because my original first degree was in, in accounting, accounting finance, mm. and then I uh, my second major was computerized business systems. So this was back in the day. So I already feel like I'm an old man. This is crazy. I got, I got my nephews calling me unk and everything. But anyway, uh, but the reality is that uh, I studied uh, some basic, you know, stuff in the beginning, you know, but my real education came when I got a little bit older and I started working for corporate America. Uh, and then I started seeing what was uh, applicable to um, what was what I needed to be successful in my career. Uh, and then I just saw my art coming out of me, you know, mm-hmm. like I always really wanted to be an artist. Like I want to draw and paint. I really want to make money doing that. I'm looking at this painting on the wall like, man, how much you charge for that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on the real, though, I I, I, uh, I did a full circle. So I was really focused in the technology industry. I started off as a, as a help desk guy. 
Uh, I remember, you know, getting recruited from Kinko's as, as a help desk man. And I became a help desk manager. And then I worked my way up and then I became a website designer. And then I really had to understand again, who's going to be the user, who's mm. going to be on this website. And I, I really understood marketing. So my other education came back when I was overseas. I was able to uh, get get transformed and be transformative. Mm. So, you know, I studied organization leadership. I studied, uh, you know, got, got my master's in philosophy and, and you know, and, and studied um, uh, industrial engineering design thinking over the overseas. And that, that just helped me a lot. So where did all of the passion and maybe it's because mm. you are an artist at your core mm. that you developed the whole brand of the the Ocean Project. What's it called? Ocean Bowl. Yes, Ocean Bowl. Oh, you gonna know this name because I, I should have brought the theme song with me tonight. Oh Cause, lord! Cause, oh y'all, yeah, no, this is a little opening, but I'm pretty sure it, it's energetic. Catchy. Oh, it's, it's catchy, it's edgy, it's definitely get you pumped, and and, and as the kids say, get you lit. I ain't getting lit, but come on, man. But uh, and uh, so how do I how do I find the passion to create? Ocean well, Bowl? like I mean, like you are all about the user experience, and I feel like a lot of the reason why this product was created was to engage children into the whole STEAM industries, the science, yeah. technology, engineering, mathematics, and, and the arts, adding the A. Yeah, I had to, good question, Angel. I mean, I had to really walk myself down uh, because I think I'm, I'm not speaking for every artist, but I think anybody who's very creative, we go through this this ins- insanity type of genius where, we're, where our mind's all over the place. Like, da-da-da-da-da-da. Because I really did ask the question when I was thinking about Ocean Bowl of what if dolphins played, had their own kind of sports league? You know, you start with a question like that in your head sometimes when you when you got a crazy imagination. Mm-hmm. I started imagining dolphins catching balls and trying to dunk them into uh, a, a clamshell or something like that at first. And then I went ahead and decided to write that in the actual book and the storyline, which they had dunk, dunking a, a ball into a giant clamshell. But then I, I, I'm i about the why. I'm always about the why first. And that's how I got it to, to believe it about STEAM because I believe uh, what I was writing about was more important. The, the why was more important than the story itself about the, the ocean ball dolphins playing. Because like, you know, you talk to a little kid, a little boy, a little brown, black boy in the hood. He's like, yo, dolphins, dolphins playing, shooting. Man, what is that? Mm-hmm. But if you, uh, if you, you know, you take the story of uh, steam and or the, you know, or the experience of knowing that we need to inspire and engage more youth into thinking about steam careers and letting them know that you, you don't have to get rid of your artistic gifts mm. to, to actually enter science, technology engineering and math you actually need art mm-hmm. you need it you need it that helps you to innovate and creatively think through and solve problems and uh that's why we we won't uh, when i was working through and building this product ocean bowl i was thinking steam i want to introduce kids to more marine biology or the ocean the ocean is 70 percent water did y'all mm-hmm. know that i mean, I mean we uh, the, the earth, ocean no, i'm sorry that okay. was incorrect but you got me that's because it's hot in here <laughs> Uh, I'm running out of water already. Uh, but yeah, exactly. I got. But the Earth is seventy percent water, and 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 thinking about that alone should make you want to think. Like, hey, what happens if climate change continues to happen? So we continue to push back the the ocean, uh, the the landlines. I'm sorry, I may be saying the wrong thing, but correct me if I'm wrong, y'all. But uh, if you push that back, we're gonna be looking at. 80% water. <laughs> and then what do we do? How do we survive on that? And, you know, I, I think about all kinds of problems we may be suffering from. And, and of course, just trying to inspire kids to, to think about, hey, think about the trash you're dumping out and, and, and the pollution that we create. What What's some creative ways we could recycle and, and uh, change some of these negative things that we're doing to our environment? So that's how you became like an advocate and into like the whole biodiversity. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I did. I, I've been talking to a lot of youth uh, you know, on their level because, mm-hmm. again, I, I can relate with them a lot. Uh, you know, black and brown boys, girls look just like me. You know, I can relate and tell them a story with Ocean Bowl and get them captivated. It's like and an interactive experience where it's not just oh, they're being talked at, but they get to participate in the conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. That the fact that uh, uh, we're looking at a multimedia cross platform, uh, immersive, immersive animated TV series where they will be able to, you know, play along and it'd be kind of game show kind of like. But it's think BET 106 Park. With a mix of, you know, Bill Cosby's, uh, uh, am I allowed to say Bill Cosby? 
Boy, go ahead. <laughs> Cosby kids, you know, a mixture of all that. Because, man, I am, a, you know, I'm a Gen Xer, so that's what I grew up on, you know, mm-hmm. Thundercats and all that stuff. So all that inspired me. Mm-hmm. Thundercats, uh, Transformers, all that. Is, you're going to see a little bit of mixture of all those worlds kind of coming together in a, in a really good format and a really good platform to give kids a, a good opportunity to be inspired. Now, you have accomplished a lot. Um, throughout your time and building a career, like you said, starting at Kinko's and mm-hmm. now you're here. What would you say is your greatest accomplishment that you've done globally um, as it relates to the whole user experience or the product development? Like, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Well, I, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about that like early. What would be my greatest accomplishment? I think personally, first, I think if it's, you break it down into two things, personal, personal would be my kids. You know, when you get kids out of college, <laughs> I got two of them and I'm like, man, you know, 20, 24 and 23, I got my kids out of college. I'm like golden because I'm at that age where, OK, I can actually spend some money on me now, you know, <laughs> and then focus on stuff like Ocean Bowl. Um, uh, professionally, uh, I would think, you know, being able to professionally just surviving a lot of times. And I'm being honest with you, I don't think I'm accomplished enough. I'm not ready to to speak on myself and blow my horn and say, I haven't accomplished something. No, I think when I do something that's socially impactful, like Bochum Bowl and put it out there and I see kids and I see the next generation come up and be like, yeah, I was watching Ocean Bowl and I got inspired to become da-da-da and I did this and I created this special recycling technology, yada, yada, yada. When they do something like that, I feel like the gray hair I got was worth it. Love it. Love mm-hmm. it. All right. We are speaking with Roman Montego II, the founder and creator of Ocean Bowl, a STEM-based edutainment series for kids. Now, before I bring out our next guest, I at least have to know, what's your situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, are you dating? Are you single? Are you married? Like, you know, what's, where are you on this whole relationship I'm, I'm spectrum? I'm terrible at relationships right now because you would oh, think. good. Yeah, but I'm, I'm serious. I'm <laughs> terrible, man. Because I'm 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 technically and and in, in, in defined as single right now. You know, I'm dating. I'm a, I'm what the kids call situationship, and uh, I don't even know what that means. But uh, but it just got done on me today, and I was. It know, got done on you today. Yeah, because I'm like it's a, it's a it's a, I'm I'm bad at dating right now, I guess, because I'm, I have to dedicate so much time. I think I, I the main negative conversation, you know, or, or um, critique I've gotten is that gotten is uh, that I'm busy, you know, I, that my time, you, like you know what I mean, like you don't seem to be making time for me. And then, of course, communication. Communication for everybody is always a, a challenge, but especially for me because uh, I've been, I think I invented SMS, by the way, short messages, because sometimes I'll just keep it straight and cut twist. Because I got I got a lot of things going on in my mind sometimes, and I just be like, hey, I'm going to the mall. But then you didn't tell me you was going to the mall and you talked to Ray Ray and went with Ray Ray and y'all went to drink a beer. Now, now you lied to me. Like, how we get there? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I may have forgot some pieces. <laughs> right. All right. Well, at least we have an idea of what's going on with you before yeah. we dive completely into the relationship side. But right, I want to. I'm a single guy. I'm the one representing the single people in India. All right. The single male. Okay. Well, I'm about to turn your single mic off so I can introduce <laughs> my next guest. All right. So, also in studio, we have with us. Mr. Major Whitlow. Um, Major is the executive director and founder of Major College and Career Prep, a 501c3 based in Leon County, Florida. He's passionate about service, community, and the overall well-being of mankind. For nearly a decade, he has served as chief operating officer at an IT security firm, also based in Florida. And he is also the father of three amazing kids, two who are out of college and one that is in high school. Welcome to the show, Major. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Major, you know the topic of the conversation. I just definitely have to applaud both of you for being willing to be our first men on the show. So, when it comes to you, um, you recently launched your nonprofit. What was the genesis behind starting um, the college prep program? Um, well, the short version of that is I, in 2009, I started a nonprofit um, that was centered around athletics 
uh, I used athletics to grab kids and to make them interested or bring them into the room, um, draw their attention. And um, then I threw at them, you know, SAT, ACT um, preparation, um, used the athletic side to introduce NCAA um, eligibility and what is required, um, and then try to slowly um, develop into a, the educational side. Um, I did that for probably 10 years, and the athletic portion just took over. Mm. So um, I made a decision to shut it down because that's not, that wasn't the direction that I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So um, we are launching major college and career prep, and we're going to start with the emphasis on education, um, educating our, or preparing our youth for um, not just a college education, but for the workforce at the same time. Um, I found that through my uh, tenure at Lanier and in the IT industry that a lot of the big players are not that interested in a four-year college degree individual Mm -hmm. coming out of college because Mm -hmm. they have to spend a lot of time uh, retraining that individual to suit their need and to fill their gaps. Mm. So uh, with that said, we want um, to increase the number of um, our minorities going to college, um, but we also want to have another avenue for those who just don't decide to go to college. And right. that's a lot of those that do decide to do that. So that was the motivation behind the whole thing. Now, Lanier is the IT company that you serve as chief operating officer of. But what was life before that? Because you used to work in law enforcement, correct? I worked in law enforcement for a few years. Um, I will put more emphasis on the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. I had a um, mortgage company for 10 years where I help um, individuals buy their first or their additional or their investment properties. Um, That motivation behind that was, I would say piggyback off to the saying, the development of the family, development of the youth, development of the adults and the entire development of the family. I I wanted to um, increase the number of people buying houses um, so they can own a, a a stake in Um, this thing that we call um, the American dream. So one thing that I think is like um, pretty interesting is that one, it sounds like you're a serial entrepreneur and this is just like what you do. Like you like to uh, implement the visions that you are provided, right? And in doing so, it appears as though your passion comes from the helping capacity of whatever that vision is. So how important is it to you to leverage that and to kind of pour that into the individuals that you're helping, even within the college prep program or nonprofit? Um, it's very, it's, it's the the thing that pushes me the most. Um, I would say that I'm not a typical person that have gone off to a four-year college and obtained a four-year degree. Um, I didn't have parents who went to college, so they didn't know how to um, push you in that direction. Push me or provide the resources mm-hmm. um, and the direction on going mm-hmm. to college. Uh, they had no idea. Um, once I started going to college, then you know life happened, and I had my first kid, and I was married. Um, so I had to decide on how much college I was going to take uh, versus providing for my family. Um, once my children became college ready, I decided, I figured out that I had no idea how to help them. Mm. And so the cycle begins. So before that happened, uh, I think my daughter was maybe a junior in high school, I decided I'm going to go and take as many classes as I can, go ask as many questions as I can and um, find the resources. information and the resources to be able to help her so that she would not 
fall in that same cycle that I fell in and then my parents probably fell in at the same time. Um, so the motivation became um, what we're lacking mm-hmm. as a community, um, the information that we're lacking, the knowledge that we're lacking, and how much of it is out there. And if you don't compile that information and be able to give it to um, the people they will get tired and they will just eventually stop. And then that hurts everybody. It hurts the, um, you know, your, your children are trying to go to, to college. It hurts you, yourself, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So. so we're going to move on and get ready for the next uh, half of the show. But I definitely at least want to say that I find it interesting that both of you, you've built yourselves up and you've had your individual careers in a particular industry, but you are also about giving back and creating that environment where you're lending the knowledge that you've gained throughout your life to kind of pour it back into young boys, young girls in STEM and in preparation for their futures. So I want to commend you both for that. Um, Major, before we like transition our conversation let's have a quick roundup on mentors and the importance of having mentors in your life at any age not necessarily just for children but as you grow as an adult and in business oh gosh um you talk about importance i can go back as far as 10 years old and start counting the people who i call um angels who come into your life for a short period of time, and then they just disappear. Mm-hmm. And then come another angel, um, rightfully so, to be named uh, mentors, probably. Um, out, out of high school, my first adult mentor was um, a referee. Um, I, I played football and basketball, um, but one of the referees was just... You know, so an eye on eye over major that he offered me a job in the banking industry immediately out of um, high school. Hence the mortgage company. Hence the mortgage company. Um, so, you know, mentors actually helped shape the direction I was going. Uh, it helped me to find my path mm-hmm. um, to where I was going. Um, and there was so many in between that, and, you know, we don't have time to mention all of them, but I think that um, as a percentage of the important factor, I have to rate that like 75, 80% um, behind your drive, mm-hmm. behind um, your educational process. You have to have um, not only mentors, but the right mentors mm-hmm. that is going to mold, help mold and shape you into the person that you're going to be. Now, I'll actually also ask you the same question in regards to the mentors, your thoughts on mentors, Roman. On, on mentors? Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. I, to, I'm just echoing what he just said. I mean, uh, they play a huge part in your life. Uh, I think you can't get by this world just coming in this world thinking, uh, I, I'm a brand new person completely. I'm completely different. I can make it on my own. I tried that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you got to you got to equip yourself with the right circle of people and uh, you're going to want to um, get yourself a mentor. And, uh, and to me, there's three, there's three different types of people that, that you want. There's either a, you, know, you can become an apprentice to someone, which someone is showing you and guiding you. Uh, mentor is kind of somebody really of a coach, a leader, and just trying to really just do the same thing the apprentice, as an apprentice leader would do. But and then there's a sponsor, somebody who just, I got your back, you know, someone who says, I hey, hear some coins for you to go to school, to take this class or do X, Y, Z. And and that's and if you can find any one of those, trust me, you, you, you'll go a long way in this world. I'm sure people are listening like, yo, I need some of those sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think that gives us a nice introduction into the careers and backgrounds of our guests. Now, when we return, we're diving in head first into our conversation around relationships. So stay with us. What if you could turn on the radio in Washington, D.C. and be in the know, in the flow and up to date on all that makes the district great? D.C. Radio 96.3 HD4. 
Get ready for DC Radio on 96.3 HD4, where the city comes alive. We'll be playing music featuring DC area artists, all the interviews with people who make a difference in the district, entertainment, news, local artists, your connection to everything Washington, D.C. From Washington, D.C. and for Washington, D.C. All the majesty, diversity, vibrancy, and culture of D.C. on the air 24-7, 365. Our people. From our monuments to our neighborhoods. All eight wards. We'll be highlighting what the mayor is doing and what's going on in city council. We'll be reaching out to seniors and the youth. That's what D.C. is all about. From D.C. From D.C. For D.C. For D.C. D.C. Radio 96.3 HD4, Washington. Welcome back to the Women Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livas. And we just introduced you to the first men to the beat guests on our show. There are Roman Montego the second and major willow two well-respected businessmen who were brave enough to have a conversation with me about what it's like to date women bosses so y'all ready mm-hmm. let's do it <laughs> all right so roman you grew up in chicago however you've lived in brazil london and most recently bermuda now during that time were you dating different women yeah go on record oh lord <laughs> I was in Brazil. Or were you married during these times? It's too late now. Yeah, it's too late now. (laughs) Jesus Christ. How'd I get in this interview, man? Uh, Yeah, I was dating. Yeah, I was definitely dating uh, in in and out of relationships uh, to to a certain degree, especially when I was, you know, traveling. I think when I got to Bermuda, though, I wasn't trying to be in um, uh, a relationship. But by the time I ended up leaving, that's when I realized, oh, man, this is home, dude. I don't want to leave. But uh, that ended up breaking up. But... uh, um, so I don't know. I got lost into the, the, the you know how you start visualizing? That's what happened. I started like You saw the water, you saw the women. I, right. I saw all the places I've been and all the things I've done. And I'm like, man. So I even forgot to question that. What oh, was, I love <laughs> it. Well, was it different? Like in all these different countries, uh, was it a different experience in dating the women? Oh yeah. There's definitely um a different experience. Uh I mean, some some, you know, some some people in certain countries, they had an ideal of what they see on TV that kind of transferred. You know, you from Chicago? Oh, they shoot there. Oh, they shire. You know, no, no, don't worry. There's, there's some people, there's some good people everywhere. And we come out of somewhere. And they listen, like you, you, you travel in, for instance, Bermuda or London, and you hear your your, your dialect, mm-hmm. your tone. They be like, man, where are you from? I got. I was just talking to Major earlier, but I got a little country twanged. To my uh, the way I talk sometimes, and uh, I'm telling you, and that, that was my thing. Everybody would know right away. That's that Chi Town dude, right there. That Chicago <laughs> guy, right there. Uh, but every woman was different. Every woman was different, and um, I don't know. I don't know how far I'm going into this conversation. No, without, you're good. Without, you're without good. falling out, like oh no, no, you're <laughs> pretending good. I felt something happening. <laughs> now, major, I believe congratulations are in order because you are. Fairly newly engaged. Thank you. So how were you able to decipher that this was somebody that was your future? Um, The Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Lord. (laughs) Our most high. (laughs) And that's all you're going to get out of me. No, but um, I don't know. I've had a long walk in life and um, I've been married for 16 years. So I understand commitment Mm -hmm. and um, I understand the positives and the negatives, Mm -hmm. you know, the failures and all the things in between. Um, I think that the most defining part at this age is I know the right questions to ask. And I know the answers. You mean the right questions to ask when looking for her? Or the right questions to ask within the relationship, or both? Mm. Both. Both the right questions when looking for her, um, the right questions. Well, what are to some ask of those yourself. questions? Mm. There's some mm. questions. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Um, what are they, what are they Christ like uh, centered in? Um, you know, so I'm, I'm going to, and we're going to, I want you to keep going, but. Somebody recently, uh, we were having this conversation and they said that 
he essentially asked his soon-to-be wife if if she was a heathen. And I was like, oh, I did too. <laughs> really? Like you asked us like, like that? The exact words. Okay. Well, see. Well, is that one? You're a heathen. <laughs> that kind of it kind of strikes me like coming to America scene when old girl was 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 Eddie and uh, Rossinio's character was sitting at the table and she lit the fire. <laughs> <laughs> you want to ask him. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. You just ask it. Like, it's it's kind of like a rhetorical question. You're really not interested in the answer as yes or no, but what they're going to actually say. Do they know what a heathen is? Right. You know, what are, their background is going to come out on that um, that answer to that question. Okay, so what's, what's another question? Um, do you attend Bedside Baptist? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um... Do you like kids? Um, how long was your longest relationship? Well, what does that say? What does it say to you? See, you know what? I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I don't think that that's a fair question because it could just be that at the time you weren't interested in being in a relationship. It could be. That's one answer. It could be multiple Okay, one more question. What else? Um, let me see. Um, are your parents still together? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Fair. And then you were earlier about to say that there are also questions that you ask yourself. Every question you, you ask them, you're asking yourself at the same time. Mm-hmm. You have to, because they're going to turn the question around on you anyway. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to be prepared to answer that question. Okay, how about you, Roman? About what? Same question. Like, are there questions that you kind of go into or, but I guess you you have to be in a certain space, like, if you're looking to be in a relationship with somebody, so. That's true. So, it's definitely everything major mentioned, especially, you can kind of gauge uh, once you've made that synergistic connect, uh, connection to someone, like mm-hmm. yo, it, it, she 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 wifey material, mm-hmm. and uh, you know to take it to that level, asking questions because everybody heathen, <laughs> ain't nobody perfect, right? But his his response to that was, "Do they know what being a heathen is?" Exactly. I, I heard. I understood. I heard perfectly okay. clear. Both okay. the headset and everything. I'm right with the brother. <laughs> I, I and that's what I'm saying. One of these days, we want to continue this conversation. I know where you're going, but let me, add, let me let me just put this this way. What's a question I would ask uh, if I were trying to date, period, as a single? Um, one of my favorite questions of lately is, what's in your library? What book are you reading? Mm. I mean, you know, if you're reading, because that doesn't really, if you, I ain't reading. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading the Bible. Okay, that says a lot. If you say I'm reading uh, Oprah Book Club, book, I know what I'm dealing with. You know what mm. I mean? There's a lot to be. Uh, I, I'm I'm just like Major. You said I've, I've learned to ask questions better uh, than than trying to and listen better than versus trying to talk. You know that's the trick. Now, have you been in situations where you've dated women who are very affluent and are businesswomen, like own their Absolutely. businesses? Mm-hmm. What would you say was your number one challenge in dating? women in that arena is it personality is it you know do you think it's completely subjective to the person i believe it's uh if i can go i believe it's um, completely subjective to the person um but for me it was um time Mm -hmm. and family um because those are my core values Mm -hmm. um and if she struggles to put that into her relationship then it's just it's nothing wrong with it it's just not the person for me so the person Mm -hmm. for me is is one who can carry that balance of work um versus um relationship work versus life um and will there be some give uh will there be some push and pull inside of it absolutely I have to give up as um, almost as much as she would may feel like she has to give up mm-hmm. in order to make it work. What about you? There's definitely a balance that needs to happen uh, between you know what's work, what's home. Like you can't 
And like sometimes I, I it bleeds over. And we were talking about microphone bleeds a little bit earlier before we got on the show here. And I think a lot of times we don't know how to decompress what has happened in the office or what you're doing. Like if you're doing something for others, you haven't quite let that go because when you get home, like doing that two hour ride in DC traffic, why don't you let all that go if you can? What's the, I give you permission. Please stop off and have a drink if you have to. Mm-hmm. But let that crap go before you get home because now you need to tend to me like I'm your man. You understand? Like I'm not I'm not your I'm not your employee. I'm not someone you're gonna be bossing around in like that. That's that's me personally. Uh, but I haven't always dealt with a woman like that. I think that if uh, I've dealt with uh, executive level women where it was just pretty much time, like Major said, everybody's trying to do their own thing or whatever, whatever. And we, we, and, and, uh, and about five, uh, what's it called? The five, the language, love language. Mm-hmm. Time is like a major thing for some people. You know, my thing is quality of time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm saying. Well, I was always looking for the quality of time in every single moment that would, that, uh, my uh, former executive ladies. So we are having a conversation about relationships, but from the man's perspective, um, you're listening to the Woman Behind the Business Talk Show, and our guests are Roman Mon- shoot Roman Montego the <laughs> second. Yeah, that no, <laughs> your last name, and you gave me two different variations to say, um, and Major Whitlow. All right, so I feel like this whole thing around time. You jokingly said earlier that, you know, people are looking at you differently or you're, you're, you suck at relationships because you don't have time. But how does that work if she doesn't have time, you don't have time? Are you looking at the lack of time that she has because you want it to be on your schedule? Or are you being fair and saying, okay, well, I was really busy the top part of the week. She's busy at the latter part of the week. You know, we just have to allocate time for each other. Nope, that's to you. That's to me? Oh, mm-hmm. okay, Major. I want you to answer that first, man. I was going to piggyback whatever I you said. I was ready to go. The nice, I was, you the nice version right now. I'm keeping it 1,000 on the on the single side, which is, woman, well, your time is my time. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to take it there. No, seriously, there's no winner when it comes to that situation. How do we just describe it? Because sooner or later, somebody's going to end up feeling like, that person's selfish. It's all about them. And mm-hmm. the reality is it just didn't work. There was, there was no time. Like, for instance, Friday after I get done picking up the kids, you know, I, I'm going to get my hair done and I'll come see you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Then some real selfish dude might be like, man, why is she putting her kids before me or whatever, whatever. And that's another another topic in itself. Like, would you date a woman who got kids in this day and age? Um, so Would you? See, I had to start it, didn't I? You did. Yeah, yeah. I, I would date a woman that has kids. I mean, it just depends how old them kids are. Jesus. <laughs> how about you, Major? I said no to the dating a woman with kids yeah. um, in my earlier single life mm-hmm. until I dated a woman with kids. Right. And um, I didn't understand why I chose yeah. that route first, yeah. except for... I didn't want to deal with the kid's dad. There you go. And um, that was the only reason why I didn't want to date a woman with kids. Not not the kids because, you know, I'm a kid person. I coached basketball for 20 years. I'm used to a ton of kids around me all the time. Um, I love um, their their personalities, you know, their their walk in life, um, how they look at things. um, That's totally different than adults. So, um, you know, now if I had to do it all over again, would I date a woman with kids? Absolutely, because I think that a woman with kids has a lot of the same similar core values that I already have and I want in a mm-hmm. relationship. So, um, I probably should look that direction first. But it doesn't mean that others uh, would not. Um, the um, beautiful princess that I'm engaged to right now has no kids whatsoever. And she is just as or more loving to kids as I am. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she showed me differently. You see how you lit up? That beautiful princess. Yes. yes. She's trained you very well. So with that being said, both of you have been married before, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. What's the number one lesson that you learned from that relationship? 
Um, number one. That's that's hard. That's hard. It's, um, being unselfish. That is just as that's the best I can put it because there's just so many um, aspects to it. But being unselfish with your time, being unselfish with your money, being unselfish with the kids, mm. being unselfish with um, your work-life balance. Mm-hmm. It's just being unselfish, I would say. You're not allowed to piggyback. You know, give me something new. I, I wasn't going to piggyback. I'm just making sure. Okay. Um, I was thinking intentional, like, because, you know, just what's your intent? Like, there's a lot of growing that happens, especially when you get young married. I'm speaking mm-hmm. from my personal, both, you know, Shakespeare drama and, and, and tragedy, because it is a tragedy when you get divorced. Let's be real. I mean, it's it's not easy living in a symbiotic culture, and they see you know you you two gotta pull apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the hardest time in my life knowing that I had to go through that that valley of saying, "Hey, you know what? My credit is jacked up now again. You know, I'm already black, so now you know I gotta go through all that again." And yada yada yada. So. Um, when the fire hits, and the Bible talks about all out this, you know, the Bible is very helpful when in a, in a marriage. Mm. You just gotta want to live by it, and then hopefully, you know, both the priest will come out and the priestess will come out of both y'all, and y'all can actually relate and talk on a spiritual level because, because when it comes, oh boy, your challenges and all that happens. So, being intentional is is, is is a lot to me has a lot to do with that, and it's just doing that. Just gonna it's gonna take a lot of good communication, a lot of openness. And a lot of dating, don't forget that, you know, to keep it. And then when that happens, you know, it, it'll keep you going strong. So if those are your lessons learned, mm-hmm. what's the number one thing that you would take into a relationship? Man, I would I would, I would, would take uh, my ability to dance or something, something, something different. Because <laughs> I, I, I know all that right now, Angel. I, I know, I've learned my lesson. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been bit by the bee. Uh, not the honeybee, but the one that takes you off. <laughs> the queen bee. The queen bee. So it's like, man, yeah, I don't want to get stung no more. It's like, I don't want to get fired no more. So I'm, I'm making sure, I, like, all your great questions tonight about like, asking the right questions, engaging them and being intentional and communicating and setting the bar and the expectations pretty, pretty open. Uh, I'm going in, I'm going there trying to make sure to keep the fire hot too. Major? Uh, Grace. Um, I would bring into or I have brought into my new relationship grace. Um, I know that that's pretty general, but it will is like the Bible's definition of love. Love, love conquers all. Um, but grace for me is knowing that I'm an imperfect being and that um, I can't expect for everyone else to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't hark on every little thing. I don't nitpick every mm. little thing that bothers me. Mm-hmm. I know now how to hold my tongue. So one thing that I've noticed is just that the fact that most women bosses, like I said in my intro, have acquired a certain status in life that they've built up, that they've been responsible for. And sometimes it's hard to have a man come in, I don't care, in whatever role, and say, okay, I need you to submit to me. Even though like it should be like a submissive role situation on both ends. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> It depends on what type of woman, too. I mean, have you ever dated a lawyer? Yes. Yeah. It's different than dating a doctor or or a CEO of a business. Or way I'm, different. It's way different. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it depends upon the woman. Like, But I don't know. I got to think about that a little bit more. Like, what what, what my thoughts are? Man, I'm going to take a break. Major's like Ladies red over he's there. Going break, right, right. right. Major is turned red. Red. <laughs> Major that's my natural color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indian by mm-hmm. descent. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think that each relationship is different. What makes um, you tick is or makes your relationship good is not going to make my relationship good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that that cement word is dangerous. So um, I don't think it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Very dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because oh. it, it determines on the interpretation of cement. And I think that um, the bad interpretation or maybe the um, the wrong or, I don't know, the interpretation that it's not as popular has been given so many times that the right interpretation is not acceptable anymore. It seems like it's you're trying to um, pull the wool over my eyes. You're 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 but hiding we don't, something. But we don't have to look at it from what other people interpret it as. Like we can create our own definition of what it means in this space, right. and that's what I want us to be able to speak to. So whether it's the true definition, we can say that when you read in the Bible about the whole you submission, want to submit yourself. right? Yeah. Okay, what does that mean to us in this space? Regardless of what the rest of society says and the negative plague or whatever that is put on it, I want us to have a conversation based off of our interpretations of what we believe it to mean. You can give your definition if you want to start there. Um. Yeah. No. Um, but <laughs> okay, Roman. Do you want to give your definition of it? Of submission. Of yeah, according to the Bible. Yeah, according both Bible. PK kids. So that is true. I'm a PK kid. Oh, okay. oh yeah, all uh, day. And we're Aquarius. I, I can give it to you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm gonna stay a little bit Bible on that. And and when I when I say this, it's no disrespect. But I here's the the pilot. The I'm not a politician, but I think everybody has a little bit in them. I think like you gotta submit to one another. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm at home, I just give you stay with that analogy. If I'm at home. I'm submitting to my wife, like, you know, what you want, baby, you know, you know, whatever she needs, you know, to make sure she good and the kids good. See, submitting just to your wife, but the kids got to make us happy, too, because I, if the kids keep her up, I can't get no good good. <laughs> Back to what's important to him. <laughs> PG, PG. Roman Montenegro is not that PG right now. But, uh, you know, submission is is really about. Yielding, yielding your space, your time, your energy, and formulating, you know, a, a special bond of connection, time and moment. Because I, I need that. I need for you to be able to submit to me, and I need to be able to submit to you openly, mm-hmm. trustworthy. Like I can lie, I can rely on you, and I'm, I'm looking forward to submitting myself to you. And that's how it should be. That should be kind of your attitude. I'm looking forward to being in bondage. And let me not see you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But anyway, I, I'll let my man major speak on it because I think he's ready now. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, for me, mine is not going to be as popular. Um, for me, that word entails um, thinking of your spouse first, whatever direction it comes from, from a man to a woman. Um, I think of her first. When I make a decision, I'm thinking of her first. When um, she's uh, coming home late from work and I know she's tired, I'm thinking of her first. Mm. Um, When um, she generally cooks uh, the meals at, at, you know, in the evening, then if I, without asking, just cook a meal, I'm thinking of her first. All all those actions and non-actions for me, that word means think of your spouse first. And whatever that means to you is whatever that means to you. You know, I'm feeling like what it means to be unselfish, like right. really unselfish. Mm-hmm. Right. I heard somebody say that to me before. A good relationship is is, is, is really about that. Like mm-hmm. you're really unselfish. Right. Yeah. No. That was my takeaway from um, my first marriage. No, it's powerful. And I think the fact that you're able, you were able to learn from it and make sure that you implement it, not just, in other relationships, but as you're, you know, moving into your your next marriage, you you already know to my beautiful queen. Yes, Christina, yes. Miss Miss Christina, and congratulations, Miss Christina. <laughs> 
No, so I, yeah, no, I think this has been great. This has been a wonderful conversation, but it's time that we move over into our moments from the valley. Mm-hmm. And I can't have men come on and not do this. So mm-hmm. let me explain to you what it is. Um, on our show, our last segment is called Moments from the Valley. It's when you share a time in your life that you did not know how you were going to make it out of a particular situation. I want to know what the situation was, how you got out of it, and what was waiting for you on the other side. I'll give you a moment to think about it. And while they think, we are going to play a little James Brown. start with you uh in in life the one thing no one tells you it's not in a book nothing like that you can probably get some mentors or somebody to kind of coach you and kind of explain you but there is a game being played especially when you're an african-american like you can't say or do certain things that the other skin tones can do mm-hmm. and and my 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 challenge has always been knowing when to turn on or get close like i'm gonna be me and there's no doubt about that but my biggest challenge in life is when I had to deliver on building this game controller once overseas and uh, me being a product manager, I had I had a tight deadline and I couldn't miss it. That meant no partying in the beach. There's no partying. There's nothing like that. And but uh, I got, you know, out of myself. I'm tired. There's no I can't put on that mask. I can't put on that voice. You know, I was like Chicago came out. Shad City Dude came out all day. So how I got over that was let it breathe. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe the 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 power of just trying to you know just let some time get past it because people hopefully you're, you've built enough character. People looked at your character and not just worried about your skin tone or your whatever. You're right. They looked at your actions. They looked at what you've done and that credibility. That's my biggest advice: is to build positive credibility with your with your counterparts, no matter who they are, whether skin, where it doesn't matter, women doesn't matter. You build some good credibility with people. When stuff hits the fan, people know, oh, that was just a moment. 
that we'll let that slide. So, and that's what happened, you know, I, and, and we didn't hit, we didn't deliver on time and on the budget, which was, uh, you know, cause I got Roman ADD and that was a big thing for me. I got to hit my mark when I'm aiming, I'm focused, like when, you know, but I didn't hit my mark, but we still delivered a quality product and, um, it did it get the mark about six months later, but it was still good. That was my business challenge. You already know my personal one. You know, personal value. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Major? I'm going to start with uh, my favorite quote, um, trust your journey and follow your path. Um, most of my kids, um, both my um, kids and the kids that I've coached, all know this term or this statement. And um, a lot of my um, the people that I run into know that statement at the same time. Um, my my valley was a on and off seven year relationship um, with a woman that put me so deep inside of myself that I couldn't see the relationship that was in front of me. Um, I saw all of the good and all of the bad, but I couldn't see the relationship because it was so unstable. Mm. Um, And I eventually trapped myself into the abyss of um, fixing it. Mm. And um, I'm a a fixer by nature, so I Mm. want to win. I, I need to fix it. And it wasn't any fixing, but I always had this this hope, this this um, desire to uh, fix it and that it would be okay. And when I look back at it, seven years went by and I had lost a lot of time in between mm-hmm. and... I couldn't tell you where it went. I just know the time. Um, went to a black hole. It went into a black <laughs> hole, and it was deep. It yeah. was deep. Um, then came Christina, mm-hmm. and at the time, Christina was just a voice, uh, a voice of reason, and I was able to talk with her mm-hmm. um, through my my struggles as just an individual, just a person that I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped me awaken to the space that I was in mm-hmm. uh, and, and be able to step outside of it and I'm look at it for what it really is and what it has been and the pattern of that whole entire relationship um, to the point where I was able to say, okay, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't fix everything. Um, some things are just not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, um, like probably a year later, mm-hmm. um, the relationship, uh, you know, um, sparkle with Christina, and here I am. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I couldn't be in the place that I am without having to go into that dark deep abyss yeah so that's what brings right back to the light of um trusting the journey that you walk through and following the path of where it leads you because ultimately it's gonna uh, lead you to that beautiful place i love it i love it All right. Well, thank you both for sharing your moments from the valley. Part of the reason why we have this segment is um, I believe that our valley moments are not not necessarily things that are just for us, but they're meant for us to share and to help other people through whatever valleys they may be going through so that they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. All right. So typically we do sharing of information, but I'm not going to have y'all share any information because I don't want nobody coming for me about <laughs> they, they husbands getting contacted, messages. Nah, we ain't even going to do that. So I'm going to say thank you for being our guest for today. 
and helping us with this conversation on relationships um, for my amazing women out there who are looking for companionship and looking for love or whatever it is that they um, want. But please be sure to check out past broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com. And now you can start registering for the Women Behind the Business Retreat titled Vision 2020, using scriptures to propel you to new dimensions. It's all happening on the beautiful island of Nassau, Bahamas, February 20th through 24th, 2020 at Bahamar Resort and Convention Center. To register, visit wbbtalk.com backslash registration. And of course, follow us on social media at wbbtalk. A special thank you to our show producer, Kyle Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.